Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in the Central Valley in Kings County, the site of the Avenal State Prison. That facility now has the second highest number of COVID-19 cases in the state correction system, 198. And as Valley Public Radio's Mari Bolaños reports, Kings County is reaching out to Governor Gavin Newsom for help. County Supervisor Doug Verboon says no visitors have been allowed at the prison for months, so he thinks a staff member had the virus. So Mother's Day weekend, you know, everybody went home to their mom's house and had little barbecues or whatever. Seven days later, we got a spike in the prison because someone brought it into the prison. Prison officials reported the first cases last week and notified the county. But Verboon says the prison didn't follow the state guidelines the county suggested. We went in there, tried to make some corrections, and they refused to listen to us. And now we even have a bigger outbreak. Verboon says one of the suggestions was to close down the kitchen in the prison to prevent the spread. A spokesperson for the prison says the central kitchen was closed late last week for deep cleaning. Meals are being prepared in satellite kitchens by staff who are screened daily for the virus. Still, Verboon says he's asking the governor to reinforce state guidelines at the prison to control the outbreak. For the California Report, I'm Madi Bolaños in Fresno. Governor Gavin Newsom has announced that California counties can now allow barbershops and hair salons to reopen with precautions. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more. A day after allowing counties to open restaurants, the state is now giving counties the ability to green light an activity it is deemed more high risk, haircuts. It's the latest example of Newsom turning over the keys to reopening to local officials. More and more responsibility, more and more accountability now being placed on the counties and their health directors. The barbershop and hair salon openings won't be allowed everywhere. Nearly a dozen counties, including Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Santa Clara, are reopening more slowly. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Mental health experts are worried about the psychological toll that this pandemic is taking on doctors, nurses, paramedics, and other first responders. KPCC's Robert Garova has more on a new volunteer effort to support these frontline workers. 
Randall Hager is with the California Psychiatric Association. He says over time he's seen a trend when it comes to frontline workers. They're really good at handling emergencies, and they just suck it up and do what they got to do. And it's only later that the accumulated stress finally manifests. That's why Hager and other leaders have set up a volunteer registry that seeks to put frontline workers in contact with professionals offering pro bono mental health services. Participants are asked to provide at least two hours of care at no cost, although some are offering much more. Hager says the registry is a way of streamlining frontline workers' access to mental health care since there hasn't been a concerted effort from the state. The call for volunteers has gone out to all licensed mental health professionals, from psychiatrists to counselors to social workers. Hager says the response has been impressive. So far, about 1,500 people have volunteered. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. Nearly 8,000 Californians in nursing homes have tested positive for COVID-19. So far, almost 20 percent of those patients have died. That heightened risk is why the state has locked nursing homes down to most visitors, with few exceptions. From KQED Science, Molly Peterson has a story about one woman trying to see her mom. Betty Odette has a sweet tooth. She's 96 and living in the Astoria Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in the San Fernando Valley. So back in March, her daughter Randy tried to bring her a milkshake. State and county orders stopped Randy at the door. A care aide let the milkshake in. So I said, well, what about, can you bring this to her, you know? And the, the girl said yes, you know. By April, the coronavirus crept into the facility. In early May, Astoria reported 19 workers sick. Then a couple of weeks ago, the nursing home reported 52 residents had tested positive, including Betty Odette. And Randy still couldn't get in. They, they basically have to be on death's door, you know, suffered a massive stroke or, or they're going to die that day, that night. That's a call Randy fears because she got it about a month ago, one Saturday around 3 a.m. Her mother's blood pressure had plummeted. Astoria care workers called to ask about end-of-life plans. As her guardian, Randy asked to come in. Night shift told her to call back in the day. It took a few calls. So finally, I mean, I was a little bit persuasive, and they told me, okay, are you ready to go in today? You know, if we got you all garbed up, whatever. I said, yeah. And then it turned out, he goes, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, and I'll call you, and we'll set up a time. Tomorrow came, no call. Finally, I called around 12, and they said no. Manny Ruiz is the home's administrator. He told me it was against doctor's orders to permit Randy inside. Ruiz said doctors are worried about liability for spreading COVID-19 beyond Astoria's walls. Betty's doctor works for Kaiser Permanente. A Kaiser spokesman wouldn't discuss liability. Kaiser says it's Ruiz's call when and how visitors can enter the facility. They all were like passing the buck and didn't want to take any responsibility for what I was asking. That's the way I took it. Back in January, Randy and her mother both made big moves. Betty to the nursing home, Randy to an RV now parked 20 minutes from Astoria's door. Everything she owns is inside, including all of her pictures of her mother. She was vain. She was like a movie star type. You'll see. I do. Perfectly waved hair and lipstick to match. Underneath some of Betty's glamour remains, even as memory loss has made her eyes vacant and disease has shrunk her body. I know what's up with my mom health-wise. I know she's going to pass soon. I mean, I can't even believe she made it 96. The last stages of Alzheimer's is two years. She's into year four. I just, I haven't seen her. I just haven't seen her for two and a half months. I want to see her before she passes. State officials recommend allowing visits for end of life and for people with cognitive declines like Alzheimer's, but it's just guidance, not a rule. Randy says she would take any test. She just wants to touch her mom one last time. 
Because, I mean, when she goes, I think she's just going to go to sleep. And there won't be any time to drive down to the hospital. And they should know that. Betty is still at Astoria in a ward for residents with COVID-19. Astoria just turned away her daughter again. So Randy remains at her RV a few minutes away, waiting. For the California Report, I'm Molly Peterson in Los Angeles. Now it's time for our occasional series, Spacing Out with Danielle Venton. Later today, NASA is scheduled to send two astronauts to the International Space Station aboard the first privately built spacecraft. For more on the day and this new era of human space flight, I'm joined by KQED's Danielle Venton. Good morning. Good morning, Lily. So, Danielle, what is significant about today? So today is the first time astronauts are leaving for space from the U.S. since 2011. That's when the space shuttle was retired, which was a really costly program. And in 2014, NASA awarded contracts to Boeing and SpaceX to develop commercial spaceflight programs. Uh, Boeing's had a number of missteps in recent years, and Elon Musk's SpaceX, headquartered in Southern California, was ready first. So these astronauts are going to be doing the very first test flight of a brand new spacecraft today. And what can you tell us about that craft? It's called the Crew Dragon Space Capsule and is aboard a Falcon 9 rocket. The capsule is reusable. And if this flight is successful, it will certify that the capsule is able to safely ferry astronauts back and forth to the International Space Station. It can carry a total of seven people and we'll have two people aboard today. It was really cool to see Buzz Aldrin, uh, one of America's most famous astronauts, tweeting about his excitement this weekend. Who exactly is going to be on board when this thing happens today? Their names are Bob Bankin and Doug Hurley. They have a lot in common. They're both former military pilots. They've both been to space twice before. They were in the same astronaut class of 2000, where they both met their spouses, who are also astronauts, and they both have young sons. These guys are really close. They were in each other's weddings. And in media appearances, you can tell that they're friends. That's not always the case with crews. Um, the crew of Apollo 11, for example, worked well together, but they weren't chummy. That's right. The early days of the space program were marked by quite a bit of drama. Tell us how we can watch today's launch. So the launch is scheduled for this afternoon, 1.33 West Coast time. That could get delayed if the weather turns bad. Um, but assuming it goes forward, you can watch it online. And we will have the video up on KQED Science. Very cool. KQED's Danielle Venton, thank you so much. Thank you, Lily. And that has been the California Report for this Wednesday, May 27th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening. Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, offering earthquake insurance to help Californians protect their financial futures. EarthquakeAuthority.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems, and Personal Capital, offering remote telefinance services with financial advisors and digital financial planning tools. PersonalCapital.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.